Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Two o'clock on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? I owe you lunch. Oh, the easiest lunch bet I've ever made in my life. Like I, <laughs> And honestly, I, I swear to you, we've had a lot of lunch bets. Nothing was easier than this. The Cowboys... In 13 wins in the NFC East, the right. juggernaut that's the NFC East, against the, a, a, a losing record Bucks team in a terrible division with Tom Brady not as good as he used to be. This was the easiest lot. This was the, and I said this, they're not only going to beat him, they're going to slaughter them. I said it. How many times did I say this? They're going to kill them. Countless. Countless you, times. It wasn't even going to be a over, game. Like, like a lot of things, just over and over and over and over and over again. If I was a gambler, I would have won so much money on that game. There was no uh, doubt in my mind that the should. Dallas Cowboys were going to absolutely crush the Tampa Bay Bucks, which they did. I can't, you know, and that was the, again, that's the easiest lunch bet I've ever won from you. So are you saying this is the easiest lunch bet you've ever won from me? I'm, just, fell, I'm just curious because I think it was for, the fifth time oh, you said it. it's Tom Brady, uh-huh. 7-0 no. against the Cowboys. No, 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 They're no. at home. No, 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 no. I didn't fall for that. It wasn't a Tom Brady thing. It wasn't a Tampa Bay Buccaneers thing. It was a Dallas Cowboys thing. It wasn't a Tom You're wrong. Okay. You are wrong. All right. Tom Brady was 7 0 again. Yeah, them. but that's not why I did it. That's not why I did it. It was a Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs thing. That's yeah. all it was. That's it. That's all it was. I've seen Dallas in the playoffs so many times. How many times have they failed? How many years? This is a different team. How many, many years different. had they gone? Since winning a game on the road, Dak Prescott had one playoff win his they beat entire the career out of the Bucks they last did, night. But but they don't, they don't they, make this about Tom Brady. This has nothing to do with the Buccaneers. It was about the Dallas Cowboys. They and I was wrong. Beat the hell out I of them. I thought this was gonna. I almost uh, felt embarrassed for Tom Brady with no points. Well, like going like the, the fourth quarter's about to start. And they bad. had no points. Yeah, he did like zero. Bad. Well, that didn't take much to get that out of you. It was yeah. the easiest to- easiest, easiest lunch, easiest tooth I've ever had to pull in my life. Right, just, there it comes right out. There you go. Yeah. You're just over. There, blah 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 blah. blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I'm gonna make this the nice, the nice lunch too. It'll be a good one. Oh, you are, are, are it's up to me. What do you mean you're gonna make it a nice one? I might get like a smoothie juice or something with my meal. I don't a know. Maybe I'll get like a, a smoothie, smoothie a juice. juice, whatever. I'm a Leo, so that's the <laughs> symbolism there. I'm, a smoothie juice? I don't know. Like oh you know, maybe God. a juice smoothie or what are those things called? <laughs> I might get like a meal and like a smoothie juice. You know what? If, yeah. if it if it gets you not talking about the Dallas Cowboys for five minutes, you could have a smoothie juice. There you go. With your meal. Uh, make right. it make right. it so. It's weighing in our top story of the day here on the Birds and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. We have ourselves a general manager for your Arizona Cardinals, Monty Austin Fort. It was announced just about this time yesterday. 
He had been hired by the Cardinals organization. Of course, we've got a mile's worth of sound to play for you, and we will over the course of the show. But we thought this segment and, and this segment alone could just kind of be dedicated to, okay, we saw the news. We weren't on the air yesterday right. because of MLK Day, but Mitch and Steve Zinmeister were, so there was local programming on with his news came down. It's our first opportunity to react to it, so rather than hear from Monty or Michael or anybody else, let's react. What did you think of the news that Monty Austin forts the guy? Yeah, listen, I mean, I, 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 when a lot of people ask me, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think? I said, I, I'm reserving judgment until I hear him speak today. I'm reserving judgment. What we know is they interviewed seven candidates. A-Dub, Quinton Harris, Matt Harris, and then Reese, and um, the Chicago guy, and Joe Ortiz. So they interviewed seven guys, and they decided that he was the best candidate. His track record is fantastic. Tennessee organization, all the years in New England. I loved what uh, uh, Bickley and Murata had Mike Reese on this morning, mm-hmm. and he was talking about, like, he seemed really happy that the Cardinals hired him. So, like, this guy really worked his way up from the bottom. Area scout, which is what Steve Steve Kime was. I mean, Steve Kime was an area scout that has worked his way to the top of the organization and became the general manager. And now Monty Austin Fort, uh, same thing. So um, it's harder with the GMs than it is the coaches to form an opinion because we don't know. Like, we don't know. We can read about him. We hear people talk about him. So my initial thought was, I just I want to wait to the press conference. I want to hear what he has to say about his visions on how to build an organization. What I do like is I do like that they went outside the organization. Yeah. I do like that it wasn't, and this is nothing against Adrian Wilson or Quinton Harris, who are quality candidates. I like that they went outside. We need a reset. We need a, a, new, a new structure, a new voice, a new vision, a new plan. And I think it's easier to go outside the organization, bring somebody in and have that happen than to stay in-house, where very likely some things would have remained the same. Yeah, no, I, that was my favorite part of the move, to be honest with you. And you're right. It's very, like yesterday when the news came down, I probably spent an hour just trying to figure out as much as I could about Monty Austin for it. It's hard. It's it's hard when you're talking about a general manager, especially somebody who hasn't been a general manager before. Like I read the story detailing just about every personnel move made for every organization he ever worked for. And while I appreciated the work that went into that, I don't know how much of that was Monty Austin for it and how much of that was John Robinson. How much of that was Monty Austin for it? Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick or Scott Pioli. So it's like it's unless he's been a general manager before, it's hard to know how he's going to do as a general manager, but what I do like I, and you're right, this is nothing against A-Dub, this is nothing against Quentin Harris they had to go outside the organization they needed a breath of fresh air and a fresh set of eyes and a fresh coat of paint in the worst kind of way, and that I love that about this hire that was reaction number one, reaction number two, hello Brian Flores and I, that might not be how this ends up, but that was my Second, my first reaction was, I'm glad they went outside the organization. Second reaction was, Brian Flores, I think, is going to be the next head coach of this team. Now, I could be proven wrong. I've been wrong. I was wrong about the Bucks and the Cowboys. I'll be wrong again. But, I had a but that was my thought. first reaction was, it seems like their relationship from the past. And then hearing him speak today really reinforced the idea that that's the kind of dude he's looking for to be his coach. Could be wrong, but that was my gut feel. My my thought wasn't that they were going to hire Brian Flores because I don't know that they do, but there's obvious the connection that they they have with each other from the New England days. My thought was they're not getting Sean Payton. That was my thought. My thought was you're hiring a GM that's going to have all the power. I don't think they're going to get Sean Payton. Now again, until it's official, I don't know. But my thought was. If you were going to, because he's, you know, Michael Bidwell said we want to hire a GM first, but, you know, if the right, 
They didn't hire Sean Payton. They didn't wait to hire Sean Payton. Sean Payton might have brought his own guy in. Was mm-hmm. it Jeff Ireland? Yes. From New Orleans, Sean Payton would have wanted a lot of power. He would have wanted to have had his own hand-picked GM or know somebody. So I do think that that, to me, that probably, you know, before I thought of, hey, it's probably going to be Brian Flores, I don't know that it will be. My thought was it's not going to be Sean Payton. Yeah, and that was probably my third thought was that it's probably not going to be Sean Payton. And, of course, I'm, I'm disappointed in that. But that was also going to be there was there was there was a lot of moving parts to bring in Sean Payton. I wanted it. I think you I think I wanted it a little more than you did. And I was willing to go a little further to get it maybe than you were. Yeah, you are. And, and so so I'm I'm just but at the same time. I'm more than willing to see what somebody different will do with this job. What a what a Monty Austin Fort will do with this job, having not been born and raised in the Cardinals organization, so to speak. I'm more than more than fine with seeing how a Brian Flores does or a D'Amico Ryan's does. I tell you that the other thing I thought of too, and we're going to have our own Patriots guy, Greg Bedard, Jonas, a little later on in this hour. We we know about coaches that come from New England. And how they typically don't really work out. No, they don't. That was one of the things I thought about yesterday, too, was what about executives from New England, right? Because you would think that Belichick coaching tree, man, you'd think it would just be rich and ripe and full and all sorts of great coaches coming off it. And the translation just hasn't been made. And that's one of the things I want to ask Greg Bedard about. What do we know about the executive tree that comes off of the Patriots? How are those guys... Done. I think John Robinson came off that tree with the Titans. They obviously went to the playoffs a whole bunch under his leadership. I think. Um, How long was he? He was there for a long. He was at fifteen years, sixteen yeah. years. Nick Casario with the Texans came off of that yeah. tree. And I, I need to. I need to find like a list of, of executives who came off that tree, and I need to know how did they. How did they do? How did they, did they struggle like the coaches struggled? Because I think that's part of kind of, Monty's his own guy, but that's also part of my evaluation as well as to see how those other guys did. Yeah. Listen, Nate, I'm glad that they hired the GM first. My, after I had thought, okay, they're not going to get Peyton, I was like, oh, all right, I got to hold on to those draft picks this year and next year. That's good because <laughs> I, I did not want to give up a first-round pick for Sean Payton. Not this year's and not next year's. And I would have gave up a second, but that's probably not going to be the case. You're probably going to have to give up a first to get him. And I was very reluctant to do that. That's where I kind of drew the line. So I I, I do think that that's not going to be an issue. I mean, it's it's not official yet, but I would think that it's, trying, it's kind of leading towards it's not going to be Sean Payton. It'll be somebody else. Yeah, you would- and I think that it'll be a defensive guy now. I mean, because it's either going to be, they're going to interview Vance Joseph today. So it's, you got Vance, you've got Brian Flores, you've got D'Amico Ryans. So I would think it's very much trending towards a defensive guy's going to be the head coach. When we come back, Cardinals fans, Monty Austin Fort was introduced today as the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. What stood out the most from his introductory press conference heard live here on Arizona Sports? We'll play the best cuts for you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. John Gambadero, Dave Burns, live from the Auction Community Studios. Monty Austin Fort introduced today as the new general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, it uh, was not that long ago we found out there was going to be a search for general manager and head coach. Monty uh, uh, Michael Bidwell did not waste his time uh, and was very quick and deliberate. In maybe quick is the wrong word. Deliberate is probably the more correct word in making this higher. Um, we have a phrase in our industry. We call it the money cut. 
the, the soundbite that kind of like sums it all up today. And if you want the money cut when it comes to what Monty Austin Ford said today during his presser, which you heard live, yes. this is it right here. We're going to focus on a completely unified message across the general manager, the head coach, and ownership to what exactly we want to be as a football organization. We're going to institute a thorough and exhaustive scouting process. We are going to turn over every stone to find the right players for this team. We are not just collecting talent. We're going to build a team. We're going to look for the right type of players. Ego will not be tolerated in this organization. We are going to look for focused, driven, and people that are willing to put the team first at every step of the way. Now, we're going to deep dive later into ego will not be tolerated. Yeah, because Michael Bidwell had a similar comment yes, about that. But yes. that was, if you were following along on social, and I, I was I was listening to the feed here at Arizona Sports from home, that was the line that got everybody going on social media. Sure. Nationally, that was the line. Everyone was like, oh, oh, he said what? Shocking right? the bow, bow. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that was it. That was the line that got everybody's attention. Ego will not be tolerated. Listen, I mean, talked. I loved him talking about the alignment and mentioned the people that make the food, the people that tape the ankles. Like everybody's going to be aligned. You know, we all have one. And he said it's not a short term fix, which I loved. I love that it's not a short term fix. We we got to get the right players in here. And yeah, sometimes it's not about just getting the most talented players, but getting the right players, right? Because sometimes like there's a lot of talented guys. But with that talent comes a lot of the ego. So if you could build a team with talent, but also with guys that will run through a wall for you. And he mentioned Buda Baker and, you know, that type of player, man, you've got a whole bunch of Buda Bakers on your team. You're not going to lose many football games. Yeah, no, you're not. Um, what he learned from the Patriots, you talk about everything being aligned. Here's what he talked about. I think the big thing on that is a complete organizational alignment in what exactly it is that we're trying to do. And that, that goes through all levels of football operations. Um, that's a clear definition of not only what we're looking for in players, but what we're looking for in staff, what is asked of each individual person, what their role contributes to us winning games. And that permeates all levels of the organization. If your job is to catch touchdown passes or if your job is to tape ankles or to scout players or to prepare the food, uh, it's, it's every job is important. And getting everybody on the same page, moving in those directions, moving in that direction is the key of what I believe was a huge part of those successful New England teams. Listen, I love, and, and I reserve judgment com- comments yesterday. People asking me on social media, what do you think? What do you think? I said, listen, let me, let me hear what he has to say. You know, uh, I expected that I would hear a lot of things that I liked, and I did. I heard a lot of the things that I liked. Now, we didn't go into the whole plan on how he wants to build an offensive line and a defensive line and what coach you, like that, that'll come with the coach. Uh, but in the, in the, but the process of building a team, getting everybody aligned, you know, that's that was important to hear. It was important mm-hmm. to hear him talk about how everybody's got a role, and if you, whether you're taping ankles or preparing the food, and you know, so everybody's going to be treated with respect. Everybody's going to know what their their role is, and everybody's going to contribute to the success of the football team. It was it was it was hard not to like the messaging, right? Because I mean, it really. For for those of us who have you know, lived and died with this football team for the last few years, right? A, a lot more dying than a lot more living, I think, when it comes to this football team. I, I think we've seen 
some of those basic pillars kind of get away from them, right? Like we, we've just, it felt like it's just kind of slipped and slid, slid away from them. And so I think it was a lot of patchwork. Patch, patch something here, patch something there, patch it. Yeah. I mean, it felt like a lot of, you know, with the players that they brought in. Because the drafts, for the most part, the drafts hadn't given you the talent level that you wanted. 100%. So you were constantly patching, yep. you know, and patching and waiting and waiting and hoping that draft picks would develop and become these players that you wanted them to be. But in the meantime, when they didn't, you had to go fill a hole here and fill a hole there and fill a hole there. And let me go get Robert Alford. Let me go get J.J. Watt. Let me go get Hollywood Brown. Let me go get, I didn't have a tight end. Let me go get Zach Ertz. Let me, I don't have a running back. Let me go get James Conner. Let me, so it was a lot of patchwork when, so, I mean, obviously, you know, I loved what he said because the scouting, I mean, you've got to, uh, and, and I can't wait to see how the drafts turn out because, you know, we can say everything we want about free agency, but put three good drafts together. We saw Denny sure. Green do that, and you've got a winning team. No doubt about it. And and, and that's what, you know, it, as far as specifics went, today was very short on specifics. It was all kind of big picture, 30,000 feet, general statements about how an organization needs to be built. And anybody who's experienced Cardinals football the last two or three years, it's exactly what you just said. It has been kind of patchwork. It's been their vision of what this football team should be has been kind of slipping and sliding away from them a little bit with the, the personnel that they've been bringing in and how exactly it's run. So it's, he said all the right things, but today was very, it was very general. It was very short on specifics, and I'm sure that was probably by design, um, but it was a message I think the Cardinal fans still wanted to hear, especially when he talked about you know taking what he learned in New England and making it the Cardinal way. To Coach Belichick, every day going to work was a masterclass education of how to build a football roster and how to build a winning organization. There are core beliefs that I believe that I will take from there as I will take from every stop step along my way that I, I plan to bring here and put my own spin on it and make it the Cardinal way. It's funny. Um, Albert Breer, and I want to thank... Um, that was one of my favorite lines, too, by the way. You know, what the, you do. I mean, that's what you do. You take you, you you take the core of everything you've learned and you believe it and you spit it and you make it your own. Sure. Like, you know, you have to do that, right? Here's what I learned in New England. Here's what I learned in Tennessee. Here's what I learned from talking to this guy and that guy. I'm not going to... That's not what I'm going to be. We're not going to be the Patriots. We're not going to be the Titans. I'm going to put my own spin on it and make it on my own, but I'm, you know, I'm going to use a lot of that to help me. It does feel like, at least initially, and again, in a press conference from which it was a lot of generalities, it's going to lean heavily on kind of the Patriot way and the Patriot vision. And, and I want to thank Ellery for tweeting me this. Uh, Albert Breer uh, tweeted out a list of all the, the the scouts who end up being GMs in this league who worked under the Patriots. Scott Pioli of the Chiefs. This is Scott Pioli, sure. Thomas D- Dimitrov of the Falcons. Jason Light of the Bucks. Forgot all about him. John Robinson of the Titans. Bob Quinn or of the Titans. Bob Quinn of the Lions. Nick Casario of the Texans. And a lot they, of successful guys. Yeah, I mean, successful guys. A lot I of mean, successful guys. Light won a Super Bowl. Dimitrov took his team to a Super Bowl. Pioli's been really good. So, I mean, there there's success there. It hasn't been the full success that you'd expect. Um, but there's been success. There's no doubt about that. Um, probably the funniest story he told was how he almost found his way out of football. I was actually sitting, sitting in a bookstore in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where... Us from people from Laverne would go to find some civilization, and um, I was sitting with a book in my hand, reading about how what it would take to become an FBI agent. And uh, I, I was sitting there, and I had the book in my hand, and my cell phone rang, and it was it was Scott Pioli at the Patriots, and he offered me a chance to come out and interview, and it was a phone call that that changed my life. I, 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 
it reminded me so much of um, like even my life. I was 24 hours away from going to the police academy to be, be a New York City police officer when I got the phone call from Newsday to come be a sports writer. Like I was there. I was going Monday to report to Hunter College for the police academy. I had passed the test. I was number three on one on a list. I did all my evaluations. I got through it somehow. And uh, I was like I was there. I was going to go Monday. But that weekend I got a call from Dave Rubenstein asking me to be, be a sports writer. And so I went that direction. So I'm sure a lot of us have those who are just about to go one way. And then you, I mean, you, I mean, same thing. You were going to go one direction and then you ended up in sports. I mean, you could have been a movie director right now, but you ended up in sports or a lawyer or whatever it is. So, uh, but that was an interesting story. He just thought he, he thought it was over and thought, I'm, I, I need to find something else to do. And that one phone call, I look where he is now. He's like, I had three degrees and I was living in my parents' basement. Think they probably wondered what the hell they had spent yeah. all that money on. Right. It was very funny when he said it. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620, 620 right now. Now, before all Austin Fort was in Tennessee, spent a lot of time in New England. How much of an impression did he make during his decade and a half with the Patriots? We will go to Massachusetts, and we'll find out next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yesterday, the announcement coming from the Cardinals that Monty Austin Ford has been hired as their next general manager. Today, the press conference, which you heard here live on Arizona Sports, the flagship home of the Cardinals, and now the reaction as we welcome you back into the Burns and Gambo Show. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, every time we have questions for all things Patriots, we turn to Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal, their founder and editorial director. He joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Greg, Happy New Year. I hope this call finds you well thank you for the time no problem good to be with you guys monty austin fort what was your initial reaction when you saw that he was going to get the gig yeah i mean i you know i think it's a really uh inspiring hire by the cardinals i think um you know just texting around calling around with you know some of the people who worked with him around here i mean it's there's universal praise for him um you know, not only for his football acumen and eye for talent, but also just the type of person that he is. I mean, he is, uh, you know, universally sort of beloved and respected by people who have worked with him, with the Patriots. And I think it's, uh, you know, after seeing, you know, a Cardinals organization that, you know, I think has done some questionable things over their, uh, you know, recent history, I think this is a good step in the right direction for them, you know, moving forward, you know, as an organization that, um, you know, will definitely, you know, stand for something. We'll definitely have a big picture in mind and we'll have, you know, sort of trying to move everyone uh, in that direction. Greg, I, I like the fact that he, I mean, he worked his way up the ladder, right? I mean, basically yep. from being an intern. I mean, he was an area scout, you know, the lowest level, and then just kept working his way up and up and up, and then got the trust of Belichick. He was involved in so many decisions in the draft and, and spent so many years in New England. And obviously to do that, you know, you've got to be well-respected to be on, you know, part of that Belichick team. So I like that aspect of how he climbed up that ladder. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't exactly have his bio in front of me, so I'm not exactly sure of the timeline. But, you know, there have been a lot of people who uh, the Patriots, like they've lost a lot of people, especially in the front office. Um, you know, one guy who stands out, Patrick Stewart, who is now, I think, assistant GM of the Panthers. There were a lot of guys in the same sort of boat. 
um, you know, with the Patriots in the front office where a lot of guys were looking at their futures and they, and it's a problem across the board in this organization, coaching and front office where Belichick's not the best communicator. So you don't know what your future is. And I think a lot of guys decided like, you know, I'm going to go elsewhere and sort of forge my own path. And, and I think, you know, Monty going to Tennessee to work with guys that he was familiar with, John Robinson and Mike Rabel, I think was a step in that direction. Greg Bedard, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. I, Greg, I'm sure you get you get asked all the time. But hell, we've probably even asked you about coaches who have been in the, the Patriots organization who have left, and it's it's you know kind of well known around the industry, at least believed around the industry, that those coaches don't have a lot of success. As far as the track record of executives like of which you speak that come out of the organization, is there well, in general what is the track record of success as you? You know it when it comes to people, not coaches, but executives who used to work there who left the organization. Yeah, I think it's been pretty good. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Jason Light down in Tampa, John Robinson, you know, for a while in Tennessee. I'm not really sure what happened um, at the end there. Um, you know, Nick Casario, we'll see in Houston. At least he's gotten that organization to the point where they sort of have a clean slate at this point and could be attractive to a guy like, you know, Sean Payton with all their draft capital, their caps in order, like all that stuff. Um, you know, from what I know, those guys have, you know, good reputations around the league. And I think they, they, they know they adhere to a certain uh, philosophy as far as how they evaluate players. And I think the big thing, you know, that clip that you guys played of Monty talking about alignment, that's the biggest thing for, for, I think, NFL teams in general. I mean, I think you have to make one of two choices. You either have to have a strong general manager who picks the coach and makes sure they're in alignment, or you need a strong coach who sort of picks his own personnel guy. And it seems like we'll have to see how this goes going forward with the Cardinals, but at least you have Monty there who you know is going to see things a certain way, and it behooves them to get – a coach that sees things that's that you know sees players their evaluations how things move forward as an organization the same way i mean it doesn't have to be exactly the patriot way because they all i like that a lot of the most successful guys have had their own spin on sort of mm-hmm. what belichick did i think that um but alignment is going to be paramount for these guys going forward when you come from the Patriots, structure, uh, chemistry, accountability, um, culture, what, what do you think is the most important thing that these guys that leave the Patriots take away from what they learn there? I think it's it's culture in terms of like what kind of what kind of players are you bringing in? Like you're not just they know that you are not just you're not just there to acquire talent. You're there to build a 53, a 53-man team. It's not the best 53, it's the right 53. And so those guys will be on the lookout for guys where football means the most to them. You know, I heard, you know, the, the big quote out of, you know, Monty's press conference was about, um, you know, the type of football players that they want and egoless players. I mean, that's what they're looking for. And I think, you know, you even look at, you know, I've watched the Raiders and what they've done this year, and they've, they're sort of, they use this year to sort of weed out on their type of football players and, and going forward. And I think that's that's the biggest thing. I think the, the Cardinals, 
some of their acquisitions, decisions, maybe they've gone, you know, just with talent. But, you know, like, for example, I mean, is Kyler Murray, we all know his talent. It's unbelievable. But, you know, is he a football player? Is it, is it that, you know, is that what means the most to him? That's what those guys are going to be looking for. Yeah, and, and I'll use Chandler Jones as an example. I mean, one of the things that I, you know, I can respect about the Patriots way and the Steelers were always great at this. Look, I mean, it's the time to move on from a player. And you got to take the sentiment aside and how much you may like and respect that guy. You've got to, fa- you got to factor in age. You got to factor in contracts. And I think a lot of organizations have a hard time moving on from players like that. The Patriots really, they don't. I mean, they've gotten rid of at, at the right time many a player, including Chandler Jones who played very well here in Arizona for a number of years, but for the Patriots, it was time to move on from him. Yeah, it, it did not surprise me when they moved on for, for from Chandler because I think they're, you know, they they look for, uh, you know, when a player gets towards the end of his contract, is this the type of player that we want to invest in? Is he going to be a standard bearer for us in our program? I think those are, you know, key questions. I think at the end, you know, they had a bunch of guys up at the same time, and it was like Dante Hightower and I think somebody else. And it's like, all right, is Chandler the type of guy? We know he's talented. We know he's going to get to the rusher, uh, the the quarterback. Is he the type of guy that we want to invest in? They said no. McDaniel's and Dave Ziegler and and the with the Raiders said yes this year. But that's that's what they're going to do, and they they aren't. You know, that's the way they're going to look at it. Is this the type of player that we want to invest in? We're going to invest in, we're going to give money to the players that do things the way that we want to do it. And if we don't think so, then we're not afraid to to let go of that player. Greg, last one, and we're up against it, but I do want your quick reaction since you know a a lot of the speculation coaching-wise has now turned to Brian Flores. Uh, Your impressions of his readiness to be a coach again in this league after it unceremoniously ended a couple of years ago in Miami the way it did? Well, I think he wants wants to be a head coach again. I think he believes in his ability. I believe in Brian Flores. I think he's a talented coach. Uh, my question for him, if I were interviewing with him, is you know what did you learn from Miami? Because he did not, he ruffled a lot of feathers down there. Sometimes that's not all bad, but sometimes it can be a detriment. I'm hoping that Brian, you know, learned from his his years in Miami, took this year and learned from that, and can apply that moving forward. Because I do think I think he's an excellent coach. Greg, we always appreciate the time and insight. Thank you for stopping by for a few. We'll talk soon. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Greg. Greg Bedard, Boston Sports Journal founder and editorial director. You can search his work at bostonsportsjournal.com. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the playoffs this past weekend had its highs, had its lows, and now questions about the future of the league's oldest, most successful quarterback. Next, Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, since we had a guest at 2.30, it's time to roll out the Twitter poll question of the day right here at 2.45. We've got our own Eric Ruby with today's Twitter poll question of the day. Rubes, what do you got for us? If we're looking at a to-do list, the Cardinals checked off a really big task on Monday, hiring new general manager Monty Fort, and now the search for a head coach awaits. So halfway through this whole process, time to check in. How y'all feeling about the state of the Arizona Cardinals? Are you thrilled? Are you cautiously optimistic? Are you worried? Or are you hopeless? 
cautiously optimistic. I am very cautiously optimistic, and, and uh, with a, with an emphasis on the cautious and an emphasis on the optimistic. I, I'm being cautious about it, but I also I'm excited about a brand new outside voice coming in because I want to know what that voice has to say. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic for sure. Gambo going with cautiously, cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. Well. Yeah. yeah, that is by far and away the winner here. Seventy six point four percent going with cautiously optimistic. Ten point three percent say worried. Seven point one percent say still hopeless. Six point two percent say thrilled. But I imagine that seventy six percent would be a lot lower just about two or three weeks ago. Yeah, I would Look, think. Go ahead. A change was inevitable, um, and now you're getting that change, and you just hope that they make the right decisions on GM and coach. Yeah. Or else we'll be back here in a few years doing the same thing over and over again. And I get it. A lot of people were hung up on Sean Payton, and, and while that doesn't seem like it's completely done, it feels like it's just about done. We don't know that for a fact, but it feels like that's where it's trending. And I, I hope I hope people don't just give up on him because it's not Sean Payton, because that would be a mistake. Oh, you know, 100%. Sean yeah. Payton's not the only quality football guy out there who's capable and qualified to run no, an NFL organization. How many organization. first-year coaches were in the playoffs this year? A bunch. First-year coaches with a new like first-year coaches with a new team. Like. Yeah, yeah. Look at Brian Dable. Look at look yeah. At, you know, coach I, of the year. Yeah, Doug Peterson Brian with Dable. the Jags. He wasn't a first-time coach, but yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't take a lot to flip around an organization in today's NFL. And Sean Payton is not the only guy qualified to do it. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page at Burns and Gambo on social media is where you can find it. What is your process from here when you start to think about what you want to do next? Because obviously, it's going to be huge. I'm going to go home and get a good night's sleep as good as I can tonight. And, and then, uh, no, I'm not, you know, I've, this has been a lot of focus on, you know, this game. So, yeah, it's just be one day at a time, truly. Tom Brady, after his Buccaneers were eliminated last night at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys, he played awful. They played awful. The Cowboys looked great. Dak Prescott had five touchdowns. Uh, the Cowboys advance now. They will play San Francisco next weekend. And the Buccaneers go home, and Tom Brady goes question mark? Yeah. Does he play? Does he go play for the 49ers? Does he play for the Raiders? Uh, where does he go? Does he retire? We don't know. We'll see. Um, that was a beatdown of epic proportions by the Cowboys last night on Tampa Bay. And it would have been it would have been worse if they had a kicker who could not get an extra point. My God, I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. I really haven't. Mar was so bad. Um, somebody was told, I didn't see the Eli Payton, but I guess they had a, their reaction was like, oh my God, like he missed one, then he missed another. Then you think, oh, just go for two and then he missed another and then he missed another. It's like, oh my God. And he finally made one. But it was, uh, I mean, four straight TD drives at one point for the Cowboys and they just put a whooping on that Tampa defense. It was a little bit of a feeling out process. Dallas went three and out, then Tampa went three and out, then Dallas went three and out, then Tampa went three and out. And then finally the Cowboys broke through on that touchdown to Dalton Schultz. They got up six nothing and then, uh, 12 nothing when Dak had that fake, beautiful fake and roll it in for a touchdown. Then mm-hmm. it was eighteen nothing after the uh, the Schultz uh, touchdown to Schultz, another one, and twenty four nothing after the touchdown to Gallup. And they were just man, they were blowing 
Tampa out of the water, man. It was a it was a real ass kicking in that game, um, and then eventually it was thirty one to six after they found wide open CD Lamb wide open. Well, Nobody covered him. And the only reason why they found him wide open was because they passed up on the field goal because they didn't trust their kicker. At That's that right, point, right. They went for right, it on fourth, fourth and down four. yep. because they they just didn't trust their kicker at that point. Yeah, it, it was it was thorough. It was bad. Um, the Tom Brady end zone interception really kind of started just this downslide for them. Where, how man, cra- okay, how crazy was it that literally about a minute before that they showed this stat? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tom Brady hasn't thrown a red zone interception since 2019 with uh-huh. New England, and he's got 408 passes with that. And then, then he throws it in the red zone. It's like almost like a, like did you, you almost like almost like they made it happen, it's almost like right? They yeah, knew almost like they gonna... they put the double whammy jinx on. Right. Like, oh, he's never missed a field goal. Oh, he just missed a field goal. He's never thrown a red zone interception. Red zone, red zone interception. Couldn't believe that. That was yeah. it. Was crazy. Um, if we're talking about NFC playoffs, if we're talking about playoffs in general, I don't think anybody's star shone more brightly than Daniel Jones over the weekend. He played. He was he, great. He looked more like Josh Allen than Josh Allen looked like Josh Allen for the Bills. He looked phenomenal in that. I couldn't believe how well he played in that game against the Vikings, and I can totally believe that on a fourth and eight, Kirk Cousins would throw the ball three yards to TJ Hawkinson. (laughs) I mean, talk about staying in character, right? Right. Talk about living up to your advanced billing. Hey, Kirk, that's why you're Kirk Cousins. I know. That's why you're Kirk. Ah. You do stuff like that, and I just I can't believe in you in moments like that. What a great performance by the Giants. Saquon Barkley, that touchdown run, man, that was just pure strength. Um, Slayton was good. Daniel Jones was great in that game. And then, you know, obviously, Xavier McKinney tackles TJ Hawkinson short. Now, Kurt wanted did a great breakdown of the play. Kurt wanted did a phenomenal breakdown of here's where he should have went with the ball. He, now, they were doubling Jefferson. They took him out of the game completely yeah. in that second half. Um, you could talk about the play. Design. He should have taken a shot somewhere else down the field. He did have somebody on the left side of the field that was doing a cross about 15 to 20 yards down the field. That would have been a better option than throwing it to Hawkinson. I think he was just hoping that TJ, who had been great all game, was going to be able to break a tackle, but he wasn't. McKinney did a great job of breaking it. But I always hate when, you know, you need eight yards and you throw a three-yard pass, a five-yard pass, even a six-yard pass. I've always hated that. If you need eight yards, throw a pass that's going to go for eight yards. Design a play that's going to go for eight yards. So the Vikings, and this was one, I think there was a, a lot of people kind of felt like, like if somebody's going to lose a home game, it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings, and it was. I don't think anybody believed in them. I don't think anybody really thought no. they were actually that legit of a 13-win football team. you got to also in that game quickly give credit to Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, wow. and Kayvon Thibodeau. Just, Man, wow. did they put on a show. They were so good. They get the Philadelphia Eagles now on Saturday night. And then the lone NFC game that was played on Saturday, the 49ers down at halftime. Man, they opened up a can on the Seattle Seahawks in the second half of that game. And I'll tell you, the numbers with Brock Purdy, a quarterback for the 49ers, are astounding. They continue to be astounding. Yeah, it was a great second half for San Francisco because they really, you know, struggled in that first half and in mistakes. And the next thing you know, I mean, it's, you know, Seattle had had the lead. But then the defense came up big. Bosa recovers the fumble on the sack by on you, and then San Francisco's offense, you know, turned that into points. Uh, and then after forcing a punt, they put the game away. Debo got free for a 74-yard touchdown down the sideline. It's 
17. He caught it eight yards down the field. Then he got a block from Kittle and another block from Brandon Ayuk. Ran 66 yards for the touchdown. Then Geno followed that with an interception that put the nail in the coffin. So it was it was an interesting game in the first half. It was an, a really interesting game. But eventually San Francisco in the second half, they, they, they put their will into it and they won that game. With Purdy as their quarterback, the 49ers are 6-0. and They're averaging about 35 points per game with Brock Purdy at quarterback. It's been good. Yeah, this good, will be good. this will be a great game. Because them and the Cowboys. I, I think yeah. like I do. I think the Cowboys can beat them. I like San Francisco, but oof, the Cowboys played really well yesterday. If they play like that, they can beat anybody. The countdown to Super Bowl 57 has begun. Bud Light, FanDuel, Arizona Sports all want you to be there in person. So what you do is text the word SUPER to 620-620. Register and listen for your name starting February 6th, and you can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you'll win tickets to the following events as well. The FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. Text the word SUPER to 620-620. It's all access. It's presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show... Ego will not be tolerated in this organization. Now that got everybody's attention. What does that mean exactly? It's next. Burns and Gambo.